Welcome to Classic 4x4, the podcast for classic four-wheel drive enthusiasts and people that just love classic four-wheel drives. I'm your host, Chris Piccone. You can follow the Classic uh, 4x4 podcast on Instagram at Classic 4x4 podcast, or you can follow my uh, trials, tribulations, and escapades of collecting and restoring classic four-wheel drives at Overland by the Sea. Today, we have a, a super interesting guest and, and somebody that I've known for a little bit, or I should say been acquainted uh, with for a little bit, who shares a lot of the same passions I do, living on the beach, surfing, and, and also uh, collect classic vehicles uh, and also classic four-wheel drives. Uh, today, we have Grayson McGill. Uh, Grayson, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, man. Anytime. Yeah. So uh, Grayson and I actually have a, a pretty cool backstory. A while back, a couple years ago, I got a, a text message from, uh, I guess, an acquaintance that was like, hey, I know this guy looking for uh, for scramblers. And at the time, I had just finished a 100-point scrambler restoration inside and out, upside down. And uh, I was ready to move it on down the line. And, and I got this text message and was like, hey, this guy, uh, Grayson's looking for a scrambler. So uh, I reached out to him. We had a good conversation. He was looking for something a little bit different than what I had, you know, a little crustier, uh, uh, a little bit more original, um, but we ended up keeping in touch uh, and uh, I still keep in touch to this day. Before we get into your collection, because you have, I mean, just the most eclectic collection of, of vehicles in general, from VW buses to Woody wagons to scramblers to CJs, you know, before we get into that, you know, that our listeners always, always want to know, you know, who's the man behind uh, behind the collection and where the passion come from? So where, where are you from? Where did you live? What's your story? And, and how did you get into to yeah, the, the cars and the surfing thing, you know, it's it's been a part of my life since since day one. Um, I grew up in Myrtle Beach where in, in a little campground right on the beach. We actually lived in a, a single wide trailer. And, um, you know, I grew up being able to get on a bicycle and go to the beach. And, you know, my brother was always so big into to old cars. I was always heavily influenced because he had, you know, a different old car every time I saw him. It, you know, usually old Plymouth or, you know, a lot of times old CJ5 Jeeps and just assortment of different types of cars. That's awesome, man. So, uh, do, do you, are you still in Myrtle Beach now, or are you living somewhere else now? Have you no, relocated? About, um, about seven or eight years ago, I, I finally made the decision to to move up to Danville, Virginia. Um, when I started, you know, buying and selling car, old cars and you know antiques and all sorts of different everything vintage, and I just decided Myrtle Beach is not the place to be if old stuff is what you're into because it's kind of a, a newer area and cars wise anything that's down there it's been there any amount of time it's just rusted to the ground so living where i do now in danville i'm an hour from so many different major cities like um greensboro raleigh i'm not too far from richmond virginia or roanoke there's just a lot of good areas to pull um old stuff out of and so it's worked out super well i when I moved to where I live at now, um, I was just visiting my parents for Thanksgiving. And there's there'd always been this little metal house called a Lustron home that was made by Sears and Roebuck back in 1949. And while I was there visiting them, a sign went in the yard for sale and it was a foreclosure. So I, I said, well, I'm going to take this as a sign that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy this house. And, and I ended up trading. A, I had a 67 Volkswagen bus that I was able to sell for the same price I sold. I bought my house for. So it worked out pretty good. And then my shop come right along, and it's a you know 5,000 square foot for me, huge place to pack full of cars. So it just I kind of let things 
you know, flow in whatever direction it took me. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That is a, that's a that's a great story. Uh, selling the bus to buy uh, buy your home, you know that that is that's super interesting. Um, you know, what was your first classic four wheel drive that you ever had? It was an eighty two Jeep Scrambler. Um, the family that owned the campground where where I grew up at in Myrtle Beach, Lakewood Campground. A lot of people probably have heard of it. Um, the family that owned it, they actually had a 82 Jeep Scrambler and I'd seen it since I was a kid. And I'd always been around my brother's CJ fives and saw, you know, other Jeeps or Broncos and different things. And never was, you know, never had anything really grab me like that Bronco, or like the Jeep Scrambler did. And the first time I saw that Scrambler, I just, I said, that's the, that's the four wheel drive for me for sure. So I ended up passionate about it for a couple of years and I finally got it. That was, that was my first four wheel drive. And I, I believe I was still in high school. I was probably like 17 years old when I got that thing. And I drove it for probably a year or two, but it was, it had been at the beach its whole life. So it was, it was, you know, rough for sure. And then I ended up selling it because I knew it, you know, long-term it needed a lot more work than I was able or willing to give it at the time. Now, did that scrambler have the four cylinder or the 258 six cylinder in it? It had the 258. Yeah. And uh, that, at that time I knew very little about old cars because my brother and the people around me that were into old cars, they were really just, they liked them, but they weren't mechanics or builders per se. So anything I come across, I just kind of had to figure it out on my own. And one day I put a new, uh, a, like a custom chrome air cleaner or something on it. And I didn't put the the nut and the bolt on it the way that, that, I, that you were supposed to. And the nut ended up falling down the carburetor and, you know, the motor blew up. Five minutes after I five seconds after I cranked it, so that was oh, a man. valuable lesson I learned there. <laughs> That's uh, it, it. You know, you, you learn your 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 most valuable lessons from your biggest mistakes, uh, oh, yeah. and we all we all have we all have that little job that uh, we want to do uh, on our, one of our uh, our our cars in our collection that turns into the biggest job you ever had. Right? Nothing's ever easy, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, I haven't done that again since. Yeah, well, it's funny because most people I ask, hey, what's your first car and what was your first classic four-wheel drive? But you're the first person that actually ever – their cl- their first cur- car was their first classic four-wheel drive. Um, but, hey, man, let's, let's talk about your collection. You have some cool, cool stuff. You're a guy like myself. You're you're an enthusiast. Um that uh that loves these old cars and loves classic four-wheel drives and you have a really neat collection uh in, in danville virginia and you know uh when it's time you've had your fun with it and it's time to move it on down the line you move it on down the line which is which is which is fun um but you know you have a collection of buses that is like second to none right which Technically, they're not four-wheel drives, but I do want to touch on them because you have the coolest collection of buses, and I know you're in one of your buses right now where you just drove from Danville, Virginia, like to Southern Florida to pick up, uh, you know, some some old crusty stuff. So tell me about what buses you have right now, and then we'll get into classic four-wheel drives. Right now, I've got a um, a 1959 logo, original paint logo panel bus, um, European model. It's got the semi-fours and all that that I bought, actually bought it from four-wheel drive guru Dennis Collins down in Dallas, Texas. That was an awesome experience because actually I went down there and bought the bus from him where he had just pulled it out of um, out of the woods where it had been sitting since 1972. The thing hadn't been touched in 50 years. And we went down there and 
used Dennis Collins' shop for two days, did a full um, mechanical rebuild and all the brakes and all that sort of stuff in his shop and got it got it done and ended up driving it back to Danville, Virginia from Dallas. So that was a that was a cool experience. It, really just to even meet and hang out with Dennis for a day and to see what you know he was really about instead of just what you see on TV or his YouTube episodes. And I he's I definitely got a ton of respect for that guy because he is hands on and you know getting a job done. I'm sure that that you dealing with Jeeps you probably had experiences with him yourself. Oh yeah, man, and that's actually the first time I've ever heard uh, Dennis Collins' name in a sentence uh, that didn't include talking about Jeeps, talking about a VW, right? Who knew? <laughs> that's too. That's too funny. What? And then what bus you in right now that you just drove? Uh, man, would you drive? You know, over a thousand miles, right? Fifteen hundred miles. It's probably going to be ended up being close to two thousand miles in less than forty-eight hours. It's a sixty-five double cab that. It's my favorite car, favorite car I've ever owned. The, the only one I say I will never sell for sure. Now, I actually found it when I was eight years old, and I, it was the same thing. I, I'd never seen one, saw it, fell in love with it, and I just gradually, over the years, kept on stopping by every so often and checking on it, and ended up buying it when I was 19. And um, when I bought it, I paid 1500 bucks for it, and that seemed like that was really probably too much for it at the time, but... I, I, I couldn't afford a $10,000 restored one, so I just I bought it and I held on to it. Over time, I fixed it, and so I've had it now for 17 years, and I've put 150,000 miles on it all around the country. I mean, it's been to California, Oregon. I mean, it's probably been to 45 of the states in the country at least. Dude, that is uh, awesome. On your trip you just in. went on, did you, uh, did you catch any uh, catch any waves? Was there any good swells? Yeah, man, that— in Satellite Beach, I'd been seeing for the last week while I was tied up at the auto fair that it had been good just firing every day. Because every morning I was like, it can't still be good. It, you know, we get swells like this on the East Coast. We're lucky to get a two-hour window where it's, you know, the A-frame, head high, just dreamy conditions. And they got it for six days. So on, when I'd gotten back home from what, it, what I was busy doing, we'll call it work-related, um, I saw it was still good, and I said, well, I'm going to take a chance. I, I knew about these bicycles in Miami I wanted. So I said, I, I'm just going to hit the road. I hit the road Tuesday Tuesday afternoon and you know, drove all night until I got to Cocoa Beach at like 3.30 in the morning. But, man, it was it was chest to head high. and just That's the first time I'd surfed at Satellite Beach, and what a great break. The people there were great. Everybody was freaking out over the double cab. And, you know, especially when you tell them you just drove all night. Eight, eight or nine hundred miles one way to, to get there they're like you know they're totally it makes them even more stoked but that was well worth the trip that's all uh, we, had, we just had uh we just had hurricane earl come up that east coast that just gave us a swells we have belmar pro here up uh up by me where i'm in coastal new jersey and we had four to eight foot swells and just rollers just coming in man coming in great sets uh so i'm glad you caught some of those um so you you got these awesome bosses, but let's talk about your classic four wheel drives and and the first one, which I actually don't think is technically a four wheel drive, but you have a forty woody wagon, right? Yeah, and they they made those 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 were the first four wheel drive cars to my to my knowledge, anyways, any kind of SUV type of thing, anyways. 
Wait, is yours four-wheel drive or is it two-wheel drive? No, my, mine is not, but they're pretty rare to find. I'd love to have one that is, but no, mine, mine's a two-wheel drive. That's cool. So uh, what do you have in your collection right now that's classic four-wheel drives? I've got an 82 Scrambler. Actually, um, I found it while I was on a cross-country trip in a bus a few years ago. It was in Oklahoma City, but at one point I had like 12 or 13 cars in my collection, and a lot of it was stuff that I just I didn't even really care about, but they were rare. They were this or that, the other thing. And I, I finally said, you know, I'm gonna end up, I want to have at least one bus, one fastback Mustang, and one Jeep Scrambler. And I said, if I'm going to get another Scrambler, I'm going to find the nicest original one I can find body-wise. I don't, you know, mechanics, mechanical stuff I'm not so picky about. But I found this one. I mean, it's it's original paint, original interior, zero rust, like no paint touch-ups, no, nothing's ever been done to it. I mean, it's the, it's the cleanest original scramble I've ever come across. And I think at the time I paid like 14 grand for the thing. And I, you know, it, it was for sale on Facebook for a year and, and nobody touched it. So it was one of the best, better buys I've probably ever made. It's amazing. There was a time where you could buy good, clean, original scramblers for fourteen grand, and they would sit on Facebook Marketplace for a year because nobody wanted to touch them. <laughs> I know. I mean, it, when I got home with it, like, you know, you paid crazy money for that thing, and now I'm like, I stole it. So, oh man, uh, I, I bought an eighty-one CJ seven uh, about, which was the first classic four-wheel drive I ever owned. Uh, it's Omaha yeah. Orange, uh, and I bought that. Man. Over, over 12, well over 12 years ago, probably almost close to 15 years ago. And at that time I paid nine grand for it. It was clean as can be. It was, and I thought I just, I just wanted it because it was Omaha orange and, and I paid what I thought at the time was just too much, but I really wanted it. And, uh, and man, looking back on that, even the CJs, the CJ sevens have come down a little bit, but you know, everything comes full circle. It's like, uh, it's like my, uh, my scrambler, man. I, I bought my scrambler, uh, for 18 grand and, and just redid and did everything upside down, inside out. And, and I thought, again, I put too much money into it and, and, and paid too much for it. And that's when, then when I pass it on down the line and, and there was more than enough left on the bone there, it's amazing oh, how the sure, world works. Sure. Now are, are Jeeps on the only four wheel drive stuff you mess with or you into others as well? So Jeeps, I know really well. I, I, uh, I, a couple years ago, had made the decision and decided that I wanted to own every, own and or restore every uh, CJ, right? So I wanted to go, you know, from CJ2A all the way through CJ10 and own every single one of them. Uh, I'm still on that quest, but I've owned, uh, I've owned a CJ5, a CJ6, CJ7, CJ8. Um, and I am still looking for uh, CJ10, which are impossible to find. Uh, most of them are, are in Australia, I think, at, still at this point, um, or they're just destroyed in this country. Uh, and uh, I still got to do a 2A and a 3B. Um, but, hey, if uh, I still have some time to do that. Um, but I will say I've been branching out recently as Jeeps have gotten the market has really just run up uh, and it's it's harder and harder to find you know good base projects uh, that are mechanically sound where that aren't you know rats nests when it comes to wiring and where the bodies aren't completely roached um, 
it's just been harder and harder. So I've been branching off. I imported a, a Defender 110 um, late last year. Just finished that uh, restoration, um, that full restoration. I'm actually about – drove that all summer and, and about to uh, pass it on down the line. Um, I'm going to start um, – my next car I think is going to be – what I add to the collection is a um, – uh, is most likely going to be – Either an uh, OBS, uh, a Ford F250, F350, Super Duty, Crew Cab, OBS, uh, or uh, maybe a square body, something like that, a Chevy square body, something like that. But it's definitely going to be a a pickup. So I am branching out. I would love to own an FJ at some point, too. Um, Speaking of FJs, uh, you've owned some FJs, too, right? Yeah, yeah. I love the little F. I had probably eight or nine of them, at least. I I always wanted, was it the 40? 45 is a little truck version of them. I love those, but I've, I've just never come across a, a good version of those. If I was going to go, yeah, unfortunately, I'm not too loyal to the Jeeps. I just, I was always, you know, really into the scramblers, but that's, that's the only ones I ever really went after. If I was going to go for another four wheel drive, lately I've been trying to look at the little 66, 67 Bronco Roadsters. I've, those things just have such a cool look when they're just stock and, you know, they have the little, cutouts in the doors and the you know no back seat they're just super primitive but man i love those things oh there's and talk about a, a market that's untouchable these days the bronco oh. and it's it's a it's, i had another uh, podcast guest and we were just talking about how the broncos that that community of 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 people has just changed and it's 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 guys that are stroking checks for 150,000, which is awesome. I mean, I, I, that you always want to bring more people into a community, uh, uh, but it's a different community on the, on the socioeconomic spectrum. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that happened with the buses you know, 10 years ago. The type of people that had buses 10 years ago, they don't have them anymore. So you know, there's good and bad that comes along with all that, but that is what it is. You've had some uh, some cool mid sixties uh, F series like F F two fifty stuff like that. Uh, you still have any in the collection? Have you passed them on down the line? I've passed those all all down. I, I had the wild hair to try to build one as a tow rig at one point, but it just the more I looked into it, and it just didn't seem like it was going to be a feasible thing to do. I, I just got back from Missouri delivering a it was a sixty five four wheel drive F two fifty, and man, that truck was a beast, but it, you know, driving it was like I mean it was cool but it was like driving a tractor it was it was quite an experience different than anything I've ever driven before it's funny when I have that with uh, the Defender 110 that I just finished Absolutely. Uh, pe- people like uh, I'll drive it you know driving around a beach town people love those things and I have that classic look with the uh, the, the, the safari roof rack and everything the wolf style wheels and and man uh, it's not overbuilt in any way and people will be like oh this is the coolest thing the face of the earth has a drive and I tell them the same thing it drives like a tractor. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it gives you a workout, man. It definitely not something you're gonna drive 1,500 miles. I'll put it to you that way. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Yeah, I mean the the gearing on that Devon transmission on those things, uh, which sits behind the 2.5 naturally aspirated Rover diesel. Man, I, I've used first gear once, and that was the first day I got it, and quickly realized first gear is useless unless you're unless you're pulling something or you need something torque it, it's second through through fourth i don't even use fifth gear because there's not enough horsepower coming out of that 2.5 na uh to even utilize fifth gear so unless you're going downhill of course <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's amazing that you know people drove these things every day when they were new 
driving contractions like they were. It's, it's wild to think about. Yeah, man. Um, so as we talk about your collection uh, and have you, you've owned CJs before, CJ seven, CJ fives. I've, I've had a handful of fives and sevens. I, none of them are kept too long, but, but I have had a few of them. I learned how to drive on a CJ five. My, my brother had one when I was, I was probably 11 or 12 years old and he'd been telling me he was going to let me drive it on his back road. So he was busy doing something and he finally just kind of shooed me out the room and said, well, just go pull it out of the garage. So I went out there and got in and I said, well, I guess I'm going to figure out how to drive a, a straight gear. And next thing I know, I was driving it up and down the road and I finally come pulling him back in his yard and, um, kind of bucking a little bit and stalled out and stopped. And he said, you look like you had never drove a straight gear before. And I said, well, I haven't. This is my first time. He wasn't too thrilled about that. But that was my first Jeep CJ5 experience anyways. Well, since you brought up your brother, uh, it's a lot of our listeners know that I do a lot of production work uh, for a lot of ad campaigns. And and I have an agent that that uh, represents my cars and puts my cars in in a lot of uh, especially high end designer um, ad campaign productions. So uh, one day my, my agent called me. Um, this is so it's going back. What a year, year or two ago, agent called me and he said, he said, man, he goes, uh, I- I'm looking for a, a, a white CJ five uh, in the Atlanta area. And I'm just racking my brain. Do you know anybody? And I said, man, I, let me make a phone call. I know only one person that would know somebody with a white CJ five in the Atlanta area called, uh, Grayson himself. And out of the blue, you said to me, man, I got to tell you, my brother has one, uh, a little North of, of, um, of, uh, Atlanta. Uh, and you can connect, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, get you in touch with my, uh, my brother and you can connect them. So I, I ended up actually talking to your brother and your brother ended up sending me pictures of that CJ five. And I have to tell you, it is the cleanest original CJ5 or CJ in general I've ever seen. Where did your brother get it? How long has he had it? And and how is it so clean, man? Well, he actually bought it in um somewhere in Colorado. It, it, this it, he buys and he goes through his cars super fast. It, this is the longest he he's ever kept anything. But he bought it in Colorado like probably five or six years ago and when it got there it just reeked of pot like crazy and it was so funny because he's actually a preacher and there it is at his parsonage and when you walk in his driveway you just smell you just knock down by the smell of weed <laughs> that's so awesome I, I noticed like anybody who walked by would kind of raise their eyebrow like well, you know what's going on here <laughs> but it just from, i don't know if it come off some pot farm out there or, you know what the deal was with it, but it, but it's clean. It, it's never been in the rain or anything like that at all. Uh, what year is it? If I remember correctly, I believe it's an 80. Gotcha. It's, a four, it has a, it's got the little four-cylinder in it. Oh, get out of here. It doesn't have the 304 in it. I, I would assume no. it had the 304 in it. No, no, just got the little four. He he wanted one, the, a white CJ with the, the blue Renegade, but my, my dad had one new back in the 70s, so... When he found that one, he wasn't too worried about the. He just wanted the look more than anything. So, the uh, in your scrambler, I know you said he has a two fifty eight inline six. Uh, yeah. What what transmission uh, are you running on it? It's got the five speed. 
Oh, so it's got the T5. It doesn't have the yeah. T176. Yeah. yeah. I've learned over time that with this with the CJs, man, if you can have the 258 inline six with the T176 married to the Dana oh, yeah. 300 transfer case, that's like the trifecta powertrain for those things. It is. I just sold a triple black CJ7 that had that set up, and it, it was great for sure. Yeah, I, 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 that is my – so on my CJ7 right now, my 81 CJ7, the Omaha Orange one, uh, I have it, – it's an 81, and I, I don't know if you know, but in 80 and 81, that was the only year they used the SR4 trans, uh, the four-cylinder – or the, the four-speed SR4 trans, which was actually a car transmission, not a, a truck transmission. And they only used yeah. it for two years because it was absolute garbage. Uh, but the throwout bearing has been gone uh, – uh, for and I get in that chug when the clutch is out for I got to kid you not probably about eight years now and I've never replaced it uh, or I've never fixed it because my my rationale has been why fix an SR4 when I'm going to do it uh, a T176 swap so I'm finally getting around to hunting that that rebuilt uh, reman T176 and uh, I'm, I'm going to find it soon enough and I'm going to do that swap so I'll have that that uh, that combo. Um, so a couple, a uh, couple always fun questions I like to ask people is, uh, you know, everybody has the, the one classic four wheel drive or, or car in their collection that they bought, they put their heart and soul and, and, and so much love into it. And then they pass it on down the line to, to the next, you know, caretaker, uh, slash owner, but you always think about it every day and you, you regret getting rid of it for you. What is that? What's that car? What's that classic four-wheel drive? Well, it's actually probably one that's fairly recent as far as, far as a four-wheel drive goes. Um, you know, I still got my scramblers, and that, that's my dream four-wheel drive of, of them all. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I had a 67, I believe it was, CJ5. or Yeah, CJ5. It, it was like the one that, that's... I've seen you with pictures of the little blue with the black windshield frame, mm-hmm. but it, it was a white one with the little black um, windshield frame. And it was totally original, original paint, the right amount of patina. And that was just a blast. To, it was like driving a go-kart around. I almost kept it because I, I had it for probably six or seven months, but I bought it knowing I didn't plan on keeping it. But the more I drove it, it, it definitely, when I sold it, I, I instantly was like, maybe I should have just hung on to that thing because it, it was handy just, you know, using around the, on my property and stuff. And I think that's kind of what's got me geared toward a Bronco Roadster, you know, something a little more driver friendly on the highway. Did uh, that CJ five have the, the, the hurricane, the F uh, one thirty four? It, it actually had the, um, you, you should know the little, the little V six in it was oh, the dauntless. It, yeah. I'd never seen one with that in it, but that's what it actually had in it. That's uh, that's cool. Yeah, I, it's funny you bring up that CJ5A Tuxedo Park uh, that I had in my collection for a while that I did a full restoration uh, on. Uh, that actually had the worn overdrive on it. So uh, it, it had the F-134 uh, Hurricane in it, which is just a great little engine, man. Like you said, it's like driving a, a go-kart. Um, but the three-speed and it had a worn overdrive on it. Uh, the previous owner had done a full mechanical restoration on that car and added the worn overdrive. And I got to tell you, that was the most fun. You go from, you know, one, uh, I go from one direct to uh, two direct and then I wouldn't even go to third. I go. I bring it to overdrive, and then yeah. instead of going back to to third direct, I would bring the RPMs up 
and just put it right into to third overdrive. And driving two sticks is just brings it to a whole new level. That was such a fun oh. car to drive. I agree with you. Oh, totally, totally. Super fun. So you've had a bunch of cars uh, that have come and go in your collection throughout the years. Uh, what's the one that was like the bane of your existence? What's the one where you were like you bought it and it was nothing from a headache from from the start and you were so excited to get rid of it and pass it on down the line? <laughs> Oh boy, there's probably been a few like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can you can you can tell us about more than one. I'm trying to think, I mean, I, some cars have souls or personalities or something because I mean, I, I've had some cars that were beautiful cars and made no sense that they would give the trouble they did and they just did. Dante, the one I could think of, I had a '74 Corvette. I took it on trade for a Trans Am I had. I thought I was doing like making a real step up. And that car, it beautiful paint. It was probably a 10-year-old paint job. So it, you know, it wasn't something that was just kind of slapped together. Inside and out was beautiful. But I'm telling you, every single time I drove or touched that car, something broke or it broke down. And it didn't it seemed like a nice enough car, but that was probably the one when it finally I ended up selling at an auction. And I, I think I there's no telling how much money I lost on it because it was nowhere near the reserve. And when the bid was about to end, I said, drop the reserve. I'm, I'm not taking it home. I don't care what it is. I'm not taking it home. I, I took it to the car wash one time on the way up there. And the, the guy at the car wash broke the, the door handle as he shut the door. And I was like, of, of course. Like, I can't get away from this thing. Jeez. <laughs> so, needless to say, I'm, I'm not, unless it's a 67 or older, I'm not super uh, into Corvettes anymore. <laughs> that's too funny man uh, and everybody has that car in their collection or that classic four-wheel drive in their collection where you just it's the bane of your existence and you're so happy to pass it on you know oh yeah i've had i've had a lot that were that way for sure but that one that one stands out to mine that's uh, too funny and, and the story about the 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 guy at the car wash uh ripping off the handle when he's closing the door is is on the way to the auction is is All just such par for the course yeah yeah that's what i knew <laughs> It ain't coming home. <laughs> Period. Uh, what is your what's your favorite thing you love about collecting uh, classic four wheel drives and, and classic cars in general? Just using them, driving them. You know, I I when I was younger, when I in my twenties, when I first kind of really got into it, I really went through the whole stage of like you know geeking out and nerding out on all the little details and the the history and you know they made this many of this color and et cetera, et cetera. And then one day I just kind of, the more I, I heard of that, I just, I don't want to say I got tired because I'm still, you know, totally into all that nerdy stuff. But the real spirit behind it for me is just driving them and using them. You know, it, pretty much every single one of my um, quote unquote, call them keeper cars, I've driven them across the country, but four wheel drive wise, my, my scrambler last year, the most fun I've had with it, I drove it, down to um the outer banks and went over to cape lookout which is a little island you've got to take a ferry to get over there and then you can drive on the beach for like it's like 18 or 19 miles of shoreline and we went over there and stayed for i think it was four or five days and got incredibly lucky and caught some killer waves while we were there but it was a whole group of us that went probably seven or eight all in in vintage four-wheel drives from it was a a Toyota FJ45 and some little toy, you know, early Toyota trucks and 
it was a Bronco and just a lot of cool stuff. But seeing all those 60s, 70s, 80s four-wheel drive trucks, all of them just survivors out there on the beach running wide open like they were, I mean, that, that made it up. That, that's why we're into it. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, man. I got to tell you, like, I don't get me. I love the hunt. I love finding them. I love planning and designing out how I'm going to restore it and make it mine. But just getting behind the wheel and driving them, and they all drive a little bit different. Like you said, and that's the first time I've ever heard that. Every car has its own personality. Every, you know, they they have their own. They're they're moody, and 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 that's my favorite part is just driving them, man. Having a project that I finish. And even driving it while I'm working it on it and moving it through the the, the process, the, the restoration process. Uh, um, on the flip side, what is the one thing you loathe about collecting classic cars and classic four wheel drives? Where you're just like, every time something happens or every time you come across somebody, what, what's the one thing you loathe about it or dislike? Cars. Yeah. Um well, I've got 11 classic cars, and 10 of them are turnkey, ready to drive anywhere, and I drive them every day. But keeping that many of them in that kind of shape is it's a pain because it's all, I, I could rattle off a list a mile long of stuff every one of them needs because it's, it's a lot of upkeep to, to really keep them, keep this many of them. So it's always fun to get the next car and build the collection and, you know, it, everything looks much better and everything, but to maintenance on it, I guess is the part that's the, the worst for me. Cause I, I don't naturally enjoy mechanicing and all that. I just do it because it's what's got to be done. So it's, you know, it's a lot of work. I, I can't I, I, about it. We are definitely cut from the same piece of cloth. Cause that's the one thing I loathe about having a collection of, of, of cars and, and four wheel drives in general is the maintenance and keeping them to where they need to be. And I'm not mechanically inclined. So I'm not, you know, getting under the car. You know, I'll do some bolt-ons here and there, but I'm bringing them to my trusted mechanics in the area that specialize with those cars, and and they're yeah. doing the work, uh, which also is a whole nother expense uh, over and beyond just uh, just restoring them and, and buying them. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really is. I, I like. I don't know. Like, I don't watch TV. I don't even have cable. I don't. I don't know what that's what that's about. I just. I just. Main, I, I'm either traveling or maintaining my crap so I can go travel. <laughs> that That is a great lifestyle, man. Uh, what's your daily driver right now? Uh, do you have a modern car or is like, is your, your bus your daily driver? My bus is my daily driver. Um, I've got a 2011 Tacoma and it stays hooked up to a trailer. I, I drive it just, I drive it if I've got to go pick up something with a trailer. But outside of that, I don't get in a modern car, period. It's funny talking about uh, talking about being cu- uh, cut from the same piece of, cl- piece of cloth. That's my daily too. Is not a Tacoma, but a Forerunner TRD Off Road yeah. Premium. Uh, yeah. You know, if you can't kill those things, man. They just are so reliable, and they never ask you for anything. Yeah, that's why. That's why. That's why I chose a um, Tacoma. I was like, you know, having all the old cars I've got, I, I don't have time to mess with a new car that's going to give me trouble. Yeah, and then those things never give you trouble. Uh, as we kind of wrap up, man, everybody that collects cars, collects classic four-wheel drives, any type of, of classic car, also collects other things too, right? Uh, what else do you collect? What else? Uh, what type of like unique things do you have that you collect other than cars? Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, 
I'm heavy into surfing, so I've got a quite a collection of old surfboards all the way up to you know modern riders and bicycles and little Honda 50 mini bikes has been a big thing lately. We do a lot of camping and they're great to take with us to ride. So I've got quite a few of those, but anything that's outdoorsy, fun, adventure minded, I'm, I'm usually about it. Any, uh, any really rare, uh, surfboards in the collection, old or rare surfboards in the collection from Epic shapers, anything like that? Yeah, I've got a um, I've got a Greg Knoll board that's that's a pretty unique board. Is it? You know, back in the fifties, most all those boards always just came to kind of the standard um, clear glass, no colors, nothing like that. And it's actually a custom and it's green. It's a pretty cool board, but yeah, I've got quite a few um, you know rare, harder to find boards. But I could sit there all day talking about those for sure. <laughs> I've tried to slow down on those because my shop. Inside of my shop, the ceilings are just full of surfboards hanging. That's super cool. And those Honda 50s, you bring up those Honda 50s. Uh, have you had them for a while? Because, I mean, those things are doing crazy numbers right now. Oh, I know it. No, I I never had, had them when I was a kid or anything. I, I lived on the beach and you know, rode a bicycle and surfed all the time. I didn't have a place to ride anything like that. But a couple of my friends have always had them, and I finally got on one a time or two and decided I just – I had to have that for the type of stuff I do now. That's fun, man. Uh, the I mean, you're starting to see those things pop up on on the auction platforms, the online oh, BAT. Yeah. I mean, and they're doing some big numbers. Uh, oh yeah, for like like super nice restored ones and all that. Yeah, they'll bring crazy money. I, ones I've got, we we ride them and thrash them. I mean, we just throw them in the back of the bus or the truck or whatever. And so ours aren't aren't you know high dollar ones by any means, but but we we definitely have more fun on them. Yeah, I mean those in the and the ATCs, the uh, the big red two hundred and fifty ESs, oh, man, yeah. wild numbers. Just saw one of those on one of the auction platforms go for ten grand. Oh yeah, everything they just some of these signs and stuff. I bought some signs lately, and it I, it blows my mind when I buy it, what I'm paying for, it, and then my, then I'm blown away even further when I sell it, and the next person pays that much more, and I'm like, geez, but you know. That's twenty twenty. What outlets do you use to pass these things down on the down the line? Mostly just Instagram. Um, I, I do some swap meets like the Charlotte Auto Fair and a few odd and things, but I usually just sell most everything on Instagram. Which is a uh, which is a good point. Uh, if if all of our listeners out there don't follow Grayson, you got to follow his Instagram. He's got the most interesting and eclectic stuff. Uh, it's Gray's VWs on Instagram is his uh, is his Instagram handle. Everybody's got to follow him, and it's amazing. You have like twenty five thousand followers. You have a huge following. Like, where did that come from? How did you develop that? I really don't even know. But several years ago. I had a, I met a few different people like Mike Wolf and American Pickers and um, Jerry Seinfeld follows me. And a, a couple, when, whenever those big names would like me, I feel like whenever um, they would start following me or like my posts or whatever, it just, I guess the way the algorithms and all that work, it just gives me that much more exposure. But it just kind of happened. I didn't do anything to make it happen. I didn't, I know a lot of people will, you can buy followers or do this or that, the other thing. But when you do that, you, you're just getting random, you know, people that aren't pertinent to your business. So it just grew. That's it just awesome. grew by, by, by trying to be me. 
That's great, man. Uh, and and being you is is there's a lot of people that be jealous of your life, man. You 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 live a great life, and uh, I am uh, absolutely blessed to to be acquainted with you. And one of these days, we're gonna cross paths. When are you gonna come up and visit me and catch some waves uh, up here, man? I need it soon for sure, man. It's I got to come soon if it's going to be this year. Y'all get so cold. I, I don't know if I could surf in your I mean, – what do y'all wear up there for wetsuits in the winter? Five fours? Or- yeah, five fours, hood. You got you to gotta have a hood, booties, gloves. But I got to tell you, right now, we, we call this local summer, right, which is after Labor Day. So, yeah. the, you know, everybody east of the Mississippi just absolutely, you know, jams uh, our beach town from from Memorial Day to Labor Day. And then yeah. Labor Day is when it, we call it local summer because everybody stops coming. But that's when the war, the water is the warmest. I actually went swimming last night. And, man, I got to tell you, the water is like in the mid-70s right now. It is very, very comfortable. And it will be that way. Oh, yeah. Oh, it will be really good until like the end of October, even into early November, where you won't even need a – you won't even need a shorty, right? You'll you'll be okay without a wetsuit, but then it turns real quick, man. And you oh, got yeah. you got to throw a full five four on, man. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember when a four three back in the day and being like, golly, like this is stupid. Like in the water being the forties, but yeah, I, I've, y'all can have that super super cold. <laughs> How many more miles you got left on your way back up to to Danville? I think about three hundred. I'm supposed to be back by seven o'clock. For my girlfriend playing a concert so i got a long ways to go and a short time to get there there you go well i'll let you go uh grayson i really appreciate your time i'm absolutely blessed to be acquainted with you and and i can't wait to to cross paths and catch some waves with you uh so for all our listeners out there uh you know make sure you follow grayson uh at gray's vw's uh on instagram and uh gray man thank you man i I, thank you so much for joining us today i appreciate you having me good good talking to you Yo, rock on, safe drive, and hang loose, brother. Later, man.